starting a new series of talks for four weeks that I'm really excited about, and yet I'm also, in some ways, I guess, nervous, not at, not at presenting or talking about it or anything else, is knowing that what it means for life application. It's a very practical series, and uh, I know that I have to digest everything that we're going to talk about, and I understand how, how God speaks clearly through this topic in which we're going to talk, which is on wisdom and pathways. I think in this day and age, it's very important that we, we learn the art of understanding and processing what wisdom is and what wisdom is for. Ephesians 5 actually says, be, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I think we're living in a day when we all say, look around, and it's like, wow, these days are a little scary. They look a little evil-ish. And we're supposed to be careful in how we live and how we walk through these times, how we navigate. And that's what wisdom is all about. Understanding knowledge, understanding the heart and the will of God, and following him, navigating him through life. And so that's what we want to do. Uh, this summer, we've been reading, hopefully you've been reading through the book of Proverbs and, and Matthew. And so in the next kind of season that we're walking through as a church, we're going to look at this, this topic on Proverbs, and then we're going to move into the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew as well, as chapters 5 through 7 and a little bit later on. I really think it's important for us as a church community to understand wisdom, understand truth in the practical ways so that we can navigate the circumstances in which we live. So let's just open a word of prayer as we begin this today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're up to in the world. We know that you are not surprised by anything we face. You are a sovereign God. You are in control. And you call us, actually, you speak to us to follow you in times that are turbulent, in times of difficulty, in times of sadness and grief, in times of joy. And so every life season, you have a plan for us to keep in step with you. So I pray you would teach us how to do that really well. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at Proverbs chapters 1 and 2 today somehow. We're going to try to get through some of that, 1 and 2. We're going to spend four weeks, and we're just going through the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which really spends a lot of time talking about what wisdom is and what it's for and the cautions around living on a path that isn't wise. And so that's what we're talking about, what pathways are. Now I know that you and I were probably similar in a lot of ways. We have different life circumstances for sure. We've had different upbringings, but both of us have made some bad decisions in life. <laughs> We've made decisions that we wish we didn't make and we suffered consequences of those decisions. What this series is going to look at is how do we make decisions? How did we make those? How did we get in places where we didn't want to be? How could we really be so dumb, I guess? And I think sometimes the decisions we make is because we thought maybe we'd be the exception to the rule and we'll understand what that means. Sometimes we make decisions despite our common sense. In other words, what we actually think is a good idea, we, we do the opposite when we reflect on it. In spite of often sometimes what our family told us or our friends or people spoke into our life, we 
We did the opposite. We went about it our own way, and so we'll spend time looking at that. Often we believe we can control outcomes, I think, is the heart of it for me. Control the outcomes of decisions we make. And so we end up in situations that we shouldn't have been in in the first place, and it's way easier, right? It's way easier to see that looking backwards. (laughs) Way easier to see that later after the decision's been made, and we think, well, how in the world did I end up in such a bad relationship? Or why did I quit the job I had? Or why did I take that job? Why did I send that email or that text message? And we look backwards and we go, man, why did I decide to break that promise to myself or to other people? Why didn't I stay home more? Why didn't I spend more time with my family? Why did I go out that night when I knew better? Why did I go to that party? Why did I drink when I knew it wasn't a good idea then. So these are some of the decisions that we've made and some of the outcomes we experience for sure. Now chances are in in your greatest regrets, maybe you've made decisions and some of you are later on in life and some of you are earlier in life, right? And so the series of Proverbs is really designed for those early in life and But for those that are, you know, later in life and you've lived and you have lots of regrets and lots of bad decisions and lots of things, sometimes you'll see somebody on the younger side and they're about to make a decision very similar to decisions that you've made. And you think to yourself, oh, I can help. All I need to do is tell them that's a bad idea. <laughs> I'll share them my story. I'll tell them about what I did and I'll give them that. And they look at you and they blink and they listen and they're polite and they thank you for your time and your insights and your wisdom and you feel all warm inside because you're finally going to make that difference. And they go off and do the exact opposite of everything you just said. And you did that too, right? I always try to tell my kids, like, Why wouldn't you listen to me? I'm the one who loves you more than anybody in the world right now. I mean, me and my wife argue about it, but we're pretty close. Why would I ever tell you something that was stupid or bad advice? I have vested interest in you being successful. And they look and they smile, they nod and they go off. And they do whatever it is they chose to do. And we think, surely I couldn't have been that dumb. I couldn't have been that stupid. And then you go, yeah, I was. Why is it? Why is it that it seems like every generation or every individual seems to have to learn things the hard way? It's like you don't. And we plead. And if you're later on in life, you just think, I, I want to what? Protect them. Save them. Guide them from the hard way. Who wants to learn everything the hard way? Having watched personally up close, being a pastor for many years now, watching people make decisions that completely implode their life, their career path, their families, their children, it's it's amazing to me that we don't seem to be better at living in wisdom when all around us we have stories of wreckage. No one ever plans, you realize that no one ever plans to end up in a disaster situation. No one ever plans to grow up and be broke. No one ever says, I do at the altar 
planning on one day that marriage falling apart. No one plans to have a family one day where people don't want to talk to each other or spend time with each other. But we end up in these places. How do we get there? How does it happen to us? How does it happen to so many people all around us? How did it happen to me? Why do we have such difficulty making good decisions? Here's one of the things I think we need to understand today. I want you to know something I think the book of Proverbs will teach us is this. Knowing wisdom in life or from God is not the difficulty. Now, we try to make it sound more difficult than it is, especially in Christian circles, We like to make like God's will or his path or understanding what I'm supposed to do in life sound hard. But I believe scripture teaches more clearly that understanding wisdom is not the difficulty. It's choosing it. It's choosing it. It's not like in many of those moments of time we stood back and thought to ourselves, let me comprehend if this is a good idea or not. We just somehow convinced ourselves to go ahead anyways. And we actually suppress, I believe we suppress wisdom. We ignore it because we're afraid of it. We're afraid that wisdom robs us fundamentally of something we might enjoy. And so we actually walk away from wisdom. So why do we make such bad decisions? Or why do we have such difficulty making good decisions? I think we've mastered the art of self-deception. And the Bible's very clear about this. It talks about our heart, for sure, is deceitfully wicked, which is deceitful. means it tricks us, for sure. But before we make really bad decisions in life, we often say things like, well, this won't hurt anybody. You know, if it hurts somebody, it'll hurt me. You know, I'll only do it once, or I deserve this. Everyone else is doing it, or everyone else has done it before. Well, I'm not as bad as other people. Well, I haven't done this for a really long time, or I haven't had any for a week, or I'll be careful. Not like other people, I'll be smarter about my stupidity. I can quit if I want to, whenever I want to. I can just stop. Or I could start again. Actually, it's not my fault that I'm having to make this decision. Look at my circumstances and my upbringing, my situation, my crisis, or whatever. These are the things that you've heard other people say. And for you, they become red flags when you hear them say it. You're like, whoa, uh uh-oh. They're about to do something stupid. But we're Canadian. So typically, we often go, did you hear what so-and-so is thinking about doing? Not going to be good. Wisdom is actually fairly obvious when you're looking at other people. It's actually easy to see when you're watching other people live life. It's kind of like, it's going to offend a few of you, it's kind of like chick flicks or, you know, romantic comedies for women. Like, my wife often wants me to watch. I sit down and it's like, Two minutes in, and I'm like, hey, so she's engaged to be married to a rich jerk. Oh, random, good-looking guy who's poor, who annoys her, shows up. Gee, I think they might get together at the end of this. Like, I don't need to watch it. I saved myself two hours. 
There'll be lots in the middle that happens, but that's what's going to happen. And I'll say it to my wife now, and after this many years, she goes, I know, just shut up and be quiet. Just, I know that's what's going to happen. We all know. You're not that smart, Sean. We all know that's what's going to happen. I'm like, okay. Wisdom is like that. When you see someone else making these decisions, you're like, I know what's going to happen. Doesn't everyone else see what's going to happen? They're hanging out too much. He's working too late. He's spending too many days away. Those people are getting too close. They're having coffee. I don't know if that's good. What's going on? You can see it coming. Except for the one in the story who seems oblivious to the path in which they're actually on. And you're like, that path, this is what Proverbs teaches us, that path has a destination. Every path you take has a destination. It's going somewhere. Do you know where it's going? And that's what Proverbs teaches us, wisdom talks about. Decisions are not isolated things. They build on each other and they create pathways. Unfortunately for us, we've talked about regrets. Regrets doesn't actually protect us from future regret if we don't actually learn how we got ourselves in the mess in the first place. So even though you've gone through a life of regret or a situation of regret, feeling that is not going to protect you from making another bad decision. Unless you are aware of how you got down that path in the first place. A lot of decisions we make that we regret or we feel silly about or dumb, well, they're just, you know, they're just not big deals. Like last Sunday, I left here, got on my motorbike, decided to drive home, thinking to myself, you know, I've been driving this motorbike all week, here and there, like, huh, I wonder if I have enough gas to get home. You well, know, I get about, you know, a little bit away from home and it dies. And you feel silly. It's a horrible mistake. And then you pull out your phone to text your wife to say, bring my truck in gas can. And you realize your wife gave her phone to your daughter that day who went to Vancouver. And so you have to do the walk. The walk with a helmet and a jacket and everyone looking at you walking down the road like, there's an idiot who ran out of gas. And so those mistakes, well, they don't do any trauma or anything like that. They just make you hot and a little sweaty and a little cranky when you get home. That's fine. But there's other things where you've made decisions where you've neglected or you were simple-minded or you simply mocked reality or you simply were foolish. And those decisions didn't just make you look silly. They marred and scarred your life or worse yet, the life of people around you. And in a moment, it's not just you that bears the consequence of that. It's a lifelong, painful story now that others will inherit and live out. And many of you have experienced that at the hands of other people. So wisdom, we can ask the wrong question. Here's the wrong question that I think youth, I've been a youth pastor, I have youth and young adults and stuff, and myself, this is the question we become obsessed with. The question is, is it wrong? It's the wrong question. Wisdom doesn't speak about is it wrong. That's not. That's, 
That's God's word. That's truth in the sense of right or wrong, moral code. But here's what early on in a Christian learns growing up in, in church usually is this. Well, where's that line? Like, where's the line? Like, how far can I go until it's wrong? That's the, that's the language of the fool. So it's like, the, you know, in youth, it's like, hey, I heard like, Sex before marriage is wrong. So then the youth, you know, in those moments where you divide up the guys and the girls, this is, okay, Dave back there with youth, he knows, like they want to know, well then when does it become wrong? And why we're asking that question is simply this, I want to get as close to wrong as I can without going over the line. And that is the language of a fool that says, look, what is actually wrong? Like, can I drink? Is that right or wrong? And then you're like, as a parent, you're like, Jesus didn't really turn water to wine. It was grape juice. It might have been a little bit fermented, but it wasn't on purpose. So no. And so we're, we're worried because we know what they're asking is, I want to get really close to wrong. And they want to teeter right there and go like, that's where I want to live. And you're like, if you lived long enough to know, like, yeah, there's a problem with teetering on wrong. Doesn't take much to fall over that edge. And some of us, when we've asked, is it wrong? We cozy up to that point. So is it wrong for you to have lunch without telling your wife with someone of the opposite sex? Is it wrong? No. Is it wise? Different question. You ask the wrong question, you'll get really far up there. And then all of a sudden... You find yourself over the edge, and this happens to youth and young adults all the time, and they end up on the other side of the edge, and they say this, nothing happened. Lightning didn't strike. I survived. No consequences. I don't know. Maybe God doesn't care about it. It's not as bad as I thought it was. And now you're on a pathway, which Proverbs will show, is a pathway of destruction. You're on a path now. You've taken steps towards a path that ends somewhere, but right now it looks just like a path. Right. No big deal. So the problem is, here's what churches typically have done. Parents do this all the time, and this is really hard. It's like we go, let's make a bunch of rules and laws and legalism then on behalf of wisdom. Let's save everybody from the edge. This is exactly what they did, the Jewish leaders did. They said, okay, we have 10 commandments, so maybe if we make 600 and some, we can back them away from that edge. And then they won't fall off. And so we do the same thing. So we tell our kids things that you can't do, and they grow up and go, I don't know, I don't see that anywhere in here where I can't do that, or I must do. I can't do, must do, I don't understand. And they go, well, then the whole thing is, this is garbage. Because it's easier to live by rules than to live by wisdom. Because wisdom takes a personal effort to hear it and to choose it. Wisdom doesn't act on you. Wisdom calls to you. And so it's so scary but to learn how to teach people to listen to the voice of wisdom is much, it's like teaching the person how to fish instead of to fish. It's long lasting, it's lifelong. And so we must then know, do we know? 
Or do we find safety in the rules instead of learning to listen to the voice? It's interesting that, is there anything wrong with it? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says this, look, everything might be permissible for me, but that doesn't mean everything's going to be beneficial. You know, everything is permissible for me, but I'm not going to be mastered by anything. You know, everything could be permissible for me, but I... It might not be constructive in my life. Paul's like, look, it, you're asking the wrong question. You always want to know like, what you can and can't do, but you're asking the wrong question. The question is, is this a path that's going to lead you on the way of righteousness? Is it the path going to lead you to where you want to go, enjoying life, a life of fruitfulness, a life of joy and abundance and excitement? Is that the, is that the path you're on? Or are you just obsessed with right or wrong? So the question you need to ask then is the question already hinted at. And this came from uh, one of my uh, friends, authors. Not a real friend. I like him, so he's my friend. But um, Andy Stanley, he he wrote a book on this. He said, the question we need to learn to ask ourselves is what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? In light of what? Well, in light of you. In light of your hopes, your dreams, your commitments, your covenants, your relationships, in light of you and where God has designed you to go, what is the wise thing to do? Which means something that's scary for me to say out loud in Christian circles. That means wisdom for me is going to be different than wisdom for you. So, a wisdom for a married man is going to be different than a wisdom for a single man. A wisdom for uh, someone who has lots of kids living at home, they're little, is going to be different than wisdom for somebody with kids that are growing up out of the home. The wisdom is going to speak differently. And what we make mistakes again is I, I've, exper- I've experienced this with other pastors, and I, I hope I don't do this to you, is God convicts me some, about something about wisdom in my life. So I've had a pastor, you know, I've seen a pastor get convicted about how much sports they're watching. And they feel convicted about that. And God's saying, it's not wise for you to invest four or five hours every day watching sports. And so they feel convicted and they come to church and they go behind the pulpit and they say, God has revealed something to us. Stop watching so much sports. (laughs) It's like, well, I mean, it's not a bad idea. But is the wisdom for you or is the wisdom for all? Are we going to make a new law now that says it's evil to watch sports on Sundays? Some do say that. But wisdom is unique for that individual. God's calling someone. Maybe God's calling you to a single life. And so wisdom's different for you. Maybe God's calling you to live differently financially than even what you're able to actually acquire or produce. God's going to call you to give in a unique way based upon your journey and your path. And that's why wisdom is so different than law and rule. It doesn't mean there isn't any moral code in Scripture, but this is about wisdom, and how do we find that out? Denise and I were hiking, and uh, we went on, on a hike, and I, I love coming across. And it's funny, because I, I am one of those persons that I think I'm prone to be a little bit independent of wisdom. I, I, I have a 
tendency. So I come down a path, and this is my path, and I see a defined path and trees on all their sides, and someone flags it. And I'm like, honestly, how dumb do you think I am? Like, oh, this way? You know, it's like, like, no kidding, you know? So I kind of mock because I read ahead of time about the hikes and it said something in there like, the path sometimes is hard to find. And I thought, really? How dumb was that person who wrote that? And then a little bit later on, I'm getting up to the top and I'm like, oh, oh. Now, if you look closely, you'll see the path. But it didn't take me long to where we got to the place where it was like, my wife's following me, <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, I don't think this is a path. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so either. My dog's looking at me. My dog knew it wasn't a path. <laughs> it could barely get over the weeds, and it's like hopping like a rabbit. It's like, it's not, and it went and found the path, and then like looked at us like, idiot, over here. And so it's interesting because sometimes wisdom in the book of Proverbs or in God's word, we look at it and we go, well, of course. But there's going to be seasons and situations in your life you get to where it becomes complex and more difficult. And it's not so clear exactly where the path is anymore. And in those seasons, if you don't know how to find the path or you don't know how to navigate, you're going to be in trouble. And so sometimes we become a mocker of God's wisdom because it's so clear but it's not always that easy to follow God's will in your life. And so Proverbs 3 says, exactly what I read to John is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and then he will show you which path to take. Because another problem is, and I don't have a picture of this one, is we came up on another hike up to a fork in the road. And then my wife typically follows me. She actually said this out loud, so you can ask her later. It's like, you're really good at finding the paths. But on this particular one, I was about to go the wrong direction. And she stopped and went, uh-uh, it's not the way. And in those moments, I have a choice. To fight, to argue, to demand, or to reflect. And I won't tell you which one I did, but she was right. She was right. And so we need to know how to humble ourselves in that sense. Now, I want to go through some of these real quick. I'm going to try. Because these names are going to pop up as you read Proverbs. Now, depending on your translation, they'll, they'll be called different things. Or they'll use a name, but it'll describe it differently. And I don't know if it's very important you know the difference. But it, it'll stand out to you now. One of the things that you'll read in the book of Proverbs is he calls some people mockers of wisdom. That they mock wisdom. In other words, they actually go out of their way to ridicule God's truth and God's ways. Most likely, there's not a lot of you in this room or you wouldn't be here today. But you hear them out there. You see them out there. They're often on social media for sure posting things. And they're simply just mocking the ways of God. Ridiculing it. And so that's part of what Proverbs will say is mockers are going to mock. They're going to end up down paths of regret and de devastation. And so mockers, they see someone, this is more the definition I looked up, see someone with contempt. So they see the things of God or truth with contempt almost. That it's actually like handcuffs or like to, to you'll hear people say this, that, that church or God's word is like to, to hem people in and control them. 
That's what a mocker sees. Oh, that's just to keep people under control. Then there's this other one, the simpleton, and, and, and you'll see this in Proverbs, is like talks about the simple-minded. The simple-minded are just, they go happily through life, and they're not thinking about the path at all. They're not even thinking about if they're on a path. They're just bounding through the meadow of life. And they're experiencing what they want to experience. And they want to be free and they don't want to be bound by the path. And they just want to have a good time. And I don't, you know, whatever happens, happens. And those are those people. And so wisdom will call out to them and say, do you really want to live the simple way? Do you want to experience all that comes? Do you really want to learn the hard way? And the definition is a simpleton is a person without much common sense. They don't reflect a lot. And then there's a fool, which unfortunately is used a lot in the book of Proverbs, talks about a fool. This is a person who, oh, they've probably heard wisdom, but they chose to ignore it. Someone told them, or they had someone say, I'm not so sure, you should think about that a little bit more, or they've encountered the wisdom, but they believe somehow that they're going to outsmart the wisdom of it. And this is where our minds and our hearts really do get us going. We know better on a lot of things. If you've grown up in the church and you have the Spirit of God in you because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then wisdom is speaking to you. But again, I said wisdom is not the hard part. It's choosing it that's the hard part. It's choosing it. So this person acts without caution or reason or discipline. The wise, well, they listen closely to what wisdom is because they fear God and seek understanding. And that's the today part we have to understand is that if you're going to choose wisdom, that the basic part of choosing wisdom is understanding what am I living for? Who am I living for? Who am I living under? What is life about? And if I really want to live wisely then I have to first understand what the purpose of my existence is. They're a person that is marked by deep understanding, a person of discernment, capacity, and sound judgment. So I want to read to you, I'm going to try to do this quickly, I, I want to read to you a lot of first, uh, Proverbs 1 and some 2, and I want you to just listen now as wisdom speaks. This, this book was written, and I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's written from a dad to a son. Okay? Probably he had to write it down because his son wouldn't sit still long enough to listen to any of it. So my guess is he wrote it down hoping he'd bump into it someday. But this is what it is. Listen to the purpose of this book. If you have not meditated on the book of Proverbs, you are missing out. Because listen to the description of what's in there. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. Solomon was known to be the wisest king of all. Okay, that was what he was known, known throughout all the world as the wisest king that ever lived. He became wise because he asked God for wisdom. And God was so impressed that he asked for wisdom and not wealth or power or for things for himself that he said he was going to give him the rest as well. So he asked for wisdom. Now, I think David actually talked about Solomon a little bit when he preached this summer. The truth is, then you understand again, was he was the wisest. In other words, he knew, he knew wisdom, but he had a really hard time choosing it. 
That's the worst. That's the worst. I, um, I, I, I read that. I was a smart enough kid when I was 16. I read that Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him all this other cool stuff. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not dumb. I'm asking for wisdom. And so I, I'd read Proverbs and read Proverbs and read Proverbs and pray and pray and pray for wisdom. But I've learned some things about that, which is I, I could know wisdom, <laughs> but it doesn't make it easy choosing. So this is what it's for. It's David's son, king of Israel. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of wise. So if they're wise people, here's some of the insights. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people to live disciplined disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. I mean, how many people would say, I don't want to live a disciplined and successful life? You do. You want to live these things. That's what Proverbs are for. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Brilliant. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become wiser. So even if you think you're wise, it's okay. You'll get wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance and by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Here is what you have to understand. The bookmark of Proverbs 1 to 9 is, is the same sentence pretty much. First is this, first Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But the fool will despise wisdom. They'll know it, but they'll despise it and the discipline in which it calls you to. Chapter 9 ends with the same thing. So he continues on. He says, wisdom, listen to this, wisdom shouts in the streets. That caught me off guard the first time I read that. Because I grew up believing, again, that wisdom from God or knowing God's will was one of the most difficult things that was to find. And I read this and went, what? Wisdom is shouting in the streets, crying out in the public square. And that, what I learned in that was in the busyness, in the crowded street along the main street, those gathered around about their things. In other words, people were just too busy to listen. But wisdom is crying out. And here's what wisdom says. How long will you simpletons Will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you, who are just hoping that life works out for you, how long are you going to just keep doing that? Wisdom crawls out to the mockers. How long, mockers, are you just going to relish in your ability to mock? How long, fools, are you going to hate knowledge? How long are you going to look at knowledge, despise wisdom, and say, I want to do something my own way anyways? Come and listen. Come and listen. It's an invitation to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and I'll make you wise. God's desire is that wisdom will come into our life and it's an invitation to it. Wisdom says this, and if you've made those decisions of regret, it said this, look, I've called out to you often. In those moments when you were gonna make those decisions, I was there, I was calling out to you, but you wouldn't come. So you have to know that if you don't want to end up in regret again, that you made a conscious decision at one point in your life to ignore wisdom. And that's how you got there. It wasn't a fluke. It was you chose to ignore it. I reached out to you, but you didn't pay attention. You ignored my advice. You rejected the correction I offered. So 
Wisdom, and this sounds like it's God going to do this. I want you to know there's a, what he's talking about is the idea of wisdom, of truth, of the way life works. Wisdom laughs at you when you're in trouble. That's what it looks like. When you go off the rails and you make this big mistake and you trash your life, truth of what you knew in wisdom of how to do life, it mocks you. It ridicules you and you know it because you lay there in the consequences of a bad decision knowing that you made a bad decision. That's what it's saying. It's going to mock you when disaster overtakes you and calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. That doesn't sound like fun. But some of you have been there. For they have hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. For simpletons, they turn away from me and towards death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. The goal is to live in peace. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as if you were searching for silver. Seek them like a hidden treasure. Continues, then when you do that, when you seek in that way that you really want to find that, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. When you try to find wisdom, he says, when you seek for it with all your heart to live a a life that is wise, what you will find out is the other side of the coin is you'll understand what it means to fear God. Fearing God is the beginning of wisdom, but if you seek wisdom, you'll find out that actually it all rests on fearing God. And you'll gain knowledge of God. You'll understand who he is. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand. Wisdom will teach you what is right and just and fair. And you'll find the right way to go in life. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you Safe. So again, the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. And at the end of nine, we'll get there later. In order to live a life of wisdom, we need to understand what it means to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does it mean to fear the Lord? This isn't about an emotional state of fear. This is about putting God in his right place. The heart of the simple, of the mocker, and of the fool is one which says, I want to live a life as close to the edge of whatever I can get because I believe there's something out there that God doesn't want me to experience. And if I can get close enough to it, I will experience a better life. That's not understanding who God is and revering him and his word and his truth. It goes right back to the the Garden of Eden, 
It's right back. It's the same thing. Our story is no different than Adam and Eve. Do you believe what God is doing or asking you not to do is holding out on you that something is good and he says no? The fear of God chooses to believe that even if I don't understand that if God says that is not good for me that I will choose to fear him, revere him enough to believe and trust that and I will step away from it. That's what that means. So if you only live for self-fulfillment, then you do not fear God. And you will live like a mocker, a simpleton, or a fool. If you only live for self-fulfillment, why do you live? How do you make your decisions? What are you looking for in life? Are you living for him or are you living for self? I can't go through the whole passage, but in James chapter 3, what stood out to me as I read, because it's another wisdom little passage in there about wisdom. Three times in a couple verses, he talks about the difference between wisdom of understanding God's ways and the fool. And the fool, he says, three times in a row in a couple verses, you are, if you are bitterly jealous and have selfish ambition. And he says it again. If you are bitterly jealous and have selfish ambition, then you won't find God's wisdom. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder of every kind. And so when you approach life from a self-consuming mindset that I want to get what I deserve out of life and you look around with your eyes and you use your eyes and you look at what other people do, what they seem to get away with, what they have, and you allow that to consume you and you think to yourself, I don't want to miss out, then you are forfeiting the heart of wisdom. So in this series, we're going to talk about that. I think for today, the decision is simply this. What do you live for? And if you want to live in light of God, that one day, that one day I'm accountable to him, then that is different. I often, when I've, tried, when I've made bad mistakes or bad decisions, I've had to convince myself that either God doesn't really care. He doesn't really care about my life. He doesn't really care about this decision. He doesn't really care. I have to suppress all of the wisdom to step ahead. I have to think about myself and say, I don't know if I matter that much. Maybe God's not that serious about this. And if I step over the line and I look around and I go, oh, yeah, see, nothing bad here. When I've ended up on a path at the end that has nothing good in it, that's how it first started. I want to get as close to I can because I fundamentally want to get everything I can out of this life for myself. And that is the start of every kind of path 
towards a bad end. Next week, we'll continue. We're going to talk about if we have to listen to wisdom and wisdom's talking and speaking and all that stuff, then how do we listen well? So we're going to talk about that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have a desire for us to experience, it says, joy of life and ultimately to experience the peace that can come with life. To experience the journey in a way where we know we're keeping in step with your heart. And, and you say that if we follow your voice that we'll be protected, we will be guided, and we'll actually find peace at night. Heavenly Father, forgive us for making decisions because we just didn't trust you enough. Didn't respect who you are enough to be disciplined to say no. Heavenly Father, would you teach us how to hear your voice of wisdom that we might walk in your ways so that others actually will be able to follow us and find refuge in the path that we create. Help us to be wise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.